why doesn't God understand me? He doesn't understand how hard it is to be me. We're talking about frustrations of God, and obviously there's more than six frustrations of God. We'll probably do revisit this series with another six frustrations of God. But uh, this particular one, I think all of us can relate to because we've done that thing that uh, Steve alluded to earlier of, you know, nobody knows how hard it is to be me, or and maybe you've even prayed, God, gosh, you just don't understand, God, what I'm doing, what I'm going through. I have one point this morning. Sometimes I have three points. Sometimes I have 10 points. Sometimes I've had 25 points before. That was a little longer message. But um, I did one time. I did, uh, I think it was my 25th anniversary, which was 11 years ago. I did 25 ways to stay married for a long time. And I just, it wasn't here. It was another church. But anyway, um, I have one point today. Okay, one point. And that is this. Um, He does understand how hard it is to be you. He does. I just want to jump into that, and I want to start by talking about priests, because I'm going to take you to to a passage in the Bible that talks about our priest, our high priest, which is Jesus. And and wherever wherever you've heard that word used before, priest, um, let's just, for now and for our purposes this morning, confine it to what we're seeing here in the Bible. And I want to begin by taking you to just a little snippet out of a Bible dictionary, Unger's Bible Dictionary, to give you an understanding of what a priest is and does. All right, so just stay with me, and uh, this will all hopefully come together here for us in a moment. Bible Dictionary says this, the idea of a priesthood connects itself in all its forms, pure or corrupted, with the consciousness always more or less distinct of sin. People feel they've broken a law. The power above them, that's God, is holier than they are, and they dare not approach it. They crave for intervention of someone whom they can think of as likely to be more acceptable than themselves. He must offer up their prayers, thanksgivings, sacrifices. He becomes their representative in things pertaining unto God. One of the reasons that you don't call me a priest is that key phrase in there. I mean, I'm I'm part of the Reformation, okay? So if you're from a Catholic background, that's just who we are. You know what's the cool thing is? There are some of us here who are on this side of the Reformation. I'm a, I'm a reformer. Had I lived during the time of, of Zwingli and, and Luther and, and, and all those great people, I would have been with them, okay? And if you're Catholic here and you are offended by that, I'm sorry. The cool thing is this, though. We can all be here together, you know? And it's okay. And we still love each other. And we don't think, you know, each other's stupid or crazy or I don't know, maybe you do think that. But anyway, um, at least about because of the kind of church that we go to. Um, but one of the reasons you'll never call me a priest and I'm a pastor. You know, I just love lately so much news about pastors. A pastor. I just love pastors getting attention, even if it's the wrong kind of attention. You know, it's just, hey, they're talking about the guy's pastor. This is great. Even though it's like, what did he say? Anyway, <laughs> enough of that, all right? Um, the, one of the reasons that I am a pastor and will never be called a priest, though, is because of that part right there where they say in the middle of that, of that thing that they crave for intervention of someone whom they can think of as likely to be more acceptable than themselves. That's not me. Just in case there was any doubt in your mind, that's not rich, okay? I'm not more acceptable to God than you are. Fortunately and unfortunately, we're all in the same, same field. There's an old saying, and I kind of like it. All the ground is equal at the foot of the cross, and it, it is. And uh, 
they don't have a little higher bump for those of us who are in ministry or whatever. We're, we're all the same. So that's what a priest does. So that's, what, that's why Jesus came. I'm going to say that a bunch of times this morning, okay? So just get ready for it. So what we need is this priest or this high priest who can understand our predicament. That's what we need. And I'm going to take you to a passage in the Bible that I have read many times here before, but I'm going to tell you, um, uh, we're just going to stay there today, and I'm just going to unpack it a little bit for you and just do a whole bunch of different lines uh, that have to do with this one thing. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. That is why we have a high, a high priest, a great high priest, who has gone to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours, under, here it is, understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all of the same temptations that we do, yet did not sin. He faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of the gracious of our gracious God. Then there we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it or when we need it the most. My point is very simple. We have a high priest who comes to God for us, carrying, as, as the Bible dictionary says, carrying our prayers, our thanksgivings, and our sacrifices. We have a high priest in the person of Jesus who carries our prayers to God day and night. And, and he's a high priest who can relate, and, and, and you know, I, I can't emphasize enough, understands our weaknesses and has faced all the same temptations that we have. We need a high priest who's experienced being treated rudely and harshly and never retaliates, not once. Jesus lived in a very difficult time. And I mean, things were crowded, all right? I mean, things were crowded New Jersey-ish in the sense that there were a lot of people in one space, particularly in Jerusalem. And even today, if you ever go to Jerusalem in the old city, I mean, even now you can see how just how tough it, it is, and, and even more so was then. Okay, I, I don't know that Jesus knew what it meant to be treated, uh, to be cut off in traffic, but I'm sure there were a few mules and donkeys and camels that, you know, stopped in really bad places, did other things probably as well in uh, good places, and now made them bad, and I'm sure those kinds of things happened all the time. You know, people getting cut off, people being rude, but, you know, Jesus knew what that was like, knew what that was like, be treated rudely and, and have, you know, People run their camel in front of him or whatever, whatever might have been the thing of the day. He knew what that was like. And, and get this, never once, never once did he retaliate. And he could have, not once. Not once did he utter a word, give a sarcastic comment, you know, flip somebody off. Never once, never once did Jesus do that. And he had many opportunities. We need a high priest who knows what it's like to be discriminated against because he's different. Or harassed because he's different and, and yet he's able to forbear, forbear and forgive every time without fail. And never, retort, never resort to name calling as a result of that. Never you know, come back with, oh, you are such a dirtball. Or you are such a jerk. Or you are such a this or such a that. Never once. Never once. Because you see, Jesus was 100% man. He was also 100% God. But he was 100% man. 
although it's a theological term for that if you care. It's called hypostatic union. But 100% God, 100% man. That's what Jesus was. We need a high priest who's been taken advantage of over and over again. Maybe like you have. Never once, though, did he blow up and tear somebody's head off. Never once. And you can imagine, I mean, some of the things that he had to deal with, um, some of the, just some of the disciples. I mean, you know, Peter would drive you crazy himself. I say that about Peter because we have, in, you know, you, you read about these guys and you kind of identify certain characteristics and personality traits. And, 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 and I say this in a good way and I say this in a bad way. Peter and I share a lot of personality um, traits. Peter had the habit of opening his mouth long before he engaged his brain. And uh, I, I can relate to that. Um, Peter sometimes would waffle on some, some key issues. There was a time when I struggled with that. I think I'm, for the, I, I hope, I pray that I don't do that any, any longer, but there was a time when that might have been a, an issue for me. Anyway, Jesus is dealing with Peter. How many times do you think he wanted just to say, Peter, you idiot, what are you doing? Now, that doesn't mean that he might not scold Peter or John or somebody else in a, in a loving way, in a way that would build up and not tear down, and it would, it would never be punitive or anything like that. We need a high priest who's been taken advantage of but never blows up. So when you get there, you can stop and think, yeah, Jesus, Jesus had this. We need a high priest who's been used and abused, sometimes verbally, sometimes emotionally, but never blew up over it. Never stopped and said, I've had enough. Never said, that's crazy. He was strong. And we know that, for instance, in certain situations, in his godliness and in his holiness, he did some things that surprise us, like turning, turning over the tables of some of the money changers. We know that Jesus did some of those things, but here's the difference between how Jesus did it and how I would have done it. I would have been, you know, cursing. I would have been calling them names. I've been telling them they're a bunch of jack. I've been telling them they're a bunch of whatever. And, and, and yet Jesus did that in a firm, strong way. And somehow he was able to, to, to keep all his decorum and his holiness and still be able to say things that would, that would go right to the heart and not tear down because he's God. Here's, a, here's, an, here's an interesting one. Um, we need a high priest who has been hit upon by the opposite sex, or maybe the same sex, who knows, uh, repeatedly, and never once, not even a little, did he ever give in. You say, oh, come on now, Rich. You're stretching it. No, I'm not. Because keep in mind, the text is real. The Bible's really clear that he was tempted in every way that we are. And Jesus hung out with, he hung out with some, some lowlifes at times. I mean, you know, he, one of the criticisms against, against Jesus was that he, that he would associate too much with wine-bibbers and people of their kind. I mean, he'd be in the equivalent of, of, of bar, some good ones, some not-so-good ones. And you know, in, in those kinds of situations, there's going to be some of this type of thing that, that will happen. He had people, he had one woman in his midst, Mary Magdalene, who came from a very questionable background. So he knew what it meant to have the, the temptation of, the, of, of, of somebody hitting upon him in a, in a sexual kind of way. And never once did he give in. Never once. Never once. Jesus, Jesus knew. We need a high priest who understands. This is a little 
sketchy here, so stay with me on this. We need a high priest who understands why visiting a strip club might be fun on occasion. Or, or taking a peek at some porn might titillize sometimes, but, but he would never cross that line. Never cross that line because he realized it cheapened something that was made for an entirely different purpose. And, and some of you are going to look at me and you're going to say, what? Come on. They... Here's one of the things I've learned in my studies of history. I'm not a history scholar. It's a, it's a hobby and I enjoy it. And, and in some ways it's helped me, it's particularly not just history of our country, but history of, history of the Bible and history of, of um, the church and some things like that. Here's one of the things that I've learned, and that is, Mankind has always found a way to be immoral, okay? It's just, it, you know, they call prostitution the oldest profession. Well, I think that's probably true. And there's always been ways. I mean, when you, even just looking back in the time, you had the Roman culture was already, I mean, Rome had conquered Israel. So the Roman culture has great influence in, 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 uh, in Israel. There were already, uh, history tells us, uh, some Roman baths. And things like that. Uh, you have the Temple of Aphrodite, which is over in Ephesus and over in Corinth. And, and some of those were, that was where basically people would go to worship by uh, participating in prostitution and so forth. And they'd have like, you know, 1,000 or 1,500 uh, temple prostitutes. And that was the way they worshiped God, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of this kind of stuff and it, it, all over the world that particular time. So to think that Jesus didn't have some of those temptations, well, hey, you know, maybe just once. Those temptations were there. Never once, never once did he go there. Or did he even start down that road? Never once. When you are struggling with some of those things, I want you to think about that. Jesus experienced this kind of temptation too. He resisted. But he was God. That's right. But he'll give me the power that I need to resist. He will. It's a great, it's a great way to think about some of these things. You know, somebody added this one to me this morning after the first service, so you'll get the benefit of this. It's a finance guy, and, and like a lot of folks in the finance world right now, um, you know, challenging times. And we just chatted for a little while. He said, "Do you suppose Jesus knew what it meant to sit up at night and be tempted to worry over his portfolio?" And my response is, maybe not exactly quite like that, but, but something similar. I'm sure that there was an opportunity for him because of his chosen lifestyle to, to at least be tempted to worry about where the next um, provision would be coming from. But he, did, he never did it. He never did it. So when you're sitting there looking at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and you're looking at your screen and you're looking at your portfolio dwindle down a little bit. You think, yeah, Jesus, Jesus understands the temptation that I'm having right now just to worry and worry and worry some more. He did. Uh, we need a priest who is dazzled by shiny new expensive toys. That's what we need. A priest who, 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 who's dazzled by the better stuff and bigger stuff and, and, and knows where that line of demarcation is and never crosses over it. Never. I'm not implying in this statement that it's wrong to, to like shiny stuff. I would never be one who would imply that it would be wrong to like shiny stuff. <laughs> um, did you see the apple on the back of that? You know what that means? No. Anyway, um, uh, Jesus knew where that line of demarcation was and is. Never crossed over. Nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing wrong with bigger and better. Nothing wrong with more. 
Again, it has to do with balance and that, that very, very precarious balance. Jesus never tipped the scales in the wrong direction. And you know, we, know, we also know he, he liked nice stuff. We know that his garments, just some different references that we have in the Bible, we know that his garments were, were maybe not the top of the line, but I mean, it was Ralph Lauren-ish, okay, at least, if they would have had Ralph Lauren. Obviously, they didn't. I mean, we know from, some, from references in the Bible that it was high-quality uh, material, the robe, and the high quality, and, and just really, a, 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 you know, some, whether somebody gave that to him, whether, however that was acquired, we don't know that. We know apparently he liked not, a nice robe and so forth. In fact, in fact there's, a, there's a story in, in, um, in one uh, ancient, uh, in some ancient literature that after the Sermon on the Mount, um, a tailor came up to him and said, Lord, Lord, I want to, I want to, you're great. I, I'm a believer. I want to make you some more robes. And, and Jesus said, well, you know, he said, oh, let's do that. Let's, let's just start some robes and then we'll, we'll do a business. We'll start a business and we'll call it, you know. And Jesus said, well, what are you going to call it? We're going to call it, uh, you know, Heschel and Lord, you know. And, and he said, no, no, no. How about, how about Lord and Heschel? No, no, no. And Jesus said, how about Lord and Taylor? Wouldn't that work? Anyway, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's terrible. That's not in ancient history, by the way. Anyway, Jesus liked nice stuff, okay? He liked nice stuff, but he knew where that line was. Sometimes we don't know where that line is, and that's why we need to pray. God, what is this? Where is this? Where am I going with this? Uh, you know what else we need? We need, a, we need a high priest who knows how to beat the system, like some of you might. He knows how he can manipulate, how to manipulate numbers, how to cook some books and do it in such a way that it would be impossible to detect. He could do that. And he could, never be, he could do that and never be caught doing that because he was, that, he was that smart. Some of you probably could do that and never be caught because you're that smart. Some of us, not so much. If I tried to cheat numbers, I'd probably cheat myself. Um, but you know what? He never, Jesus never even approached something like that. Never would. Was he tempted? I'm sure he was. The Bible says he was. But he never even went close to that. We need a high priest who understands this, what I call this precarious balance of, give, of giving and getting more. And never, ever letting an ounce of greed creep in. That's a hard balance. Jesus walked that line perfectly. And when you're deciding and you're making decisions and you see certain things come into your, into your focus that you can, I can do this, I can buy this, I can buy this, I can buy this, I can do this. You know, Jesus had those same temptations, but he always knew where to draw that line. That's an important issue. What we need, let me put it to you in a more summary statement. We need a high priest we can relate to, one that truly understands the pull of prosperity the attraction of stuff, the desire to self-justify, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, and the universal default mode of making everything about me, which we all have a tendency or can have a tendency to do. Make it about me. We need a high priest that can sympathize with us and understand but has never succumbed, not even a tiny, tiny bit, to any of those issues. That's why Jesus came. He is our high priest. 
He's the one that continually takes our prayers, our thanksgivings, our sacrifices to God. That's who he is. And he does it because he understands exactly what you're going through. Because he's been here. And he's lived it. Different time for us. Different age for us. But the temptations never change. Maybe more, you know, you say, well, we have more opportunities for those temptations today. They had just as many opportunities for those temptations in those days in different ways. And that's, that's, that's the, the main focus that I want you to see here. Because he does understand, he does understand what it's like to be me. He does understand sickness and, and how that affects me and, and the, my loved ones. He understands that. He had, I mean, he, you know, he had, he had one death, Lazarus, where he just, um, he started crying, wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He understands what it's like to have those kinds of issues in one's life, whatever it might be. Um, He's been there, he's done that, and he never blew it. He never blew it. Never worried too much. Never never tried to grasp too much. Never had greed set into his heart. Never once. That's why it is of great comfort for me to be able, and for you, to be able to pray. That I can pray to a God who does understand. To seek forgiveness. Even though he never, he never went over the line. He understands when we do. That's why we can boldly come to, to Christ for forgiveness every time. That's why we can go to him asking for strength. Because he's there to provide it for us. One of my goals this morning, and I want you to leave here, and when you hit whatever you hit this afternoon or tomorrow morning or Tuesday or Wednesday morning or whatever it happens to be, and some of those temptations start coming, whatever it might be, it might be something that we might, some might consider minor to, to others, which is just to be grunchy, uh, grumpy and you know, crotchety to somebody, or whether it's some kind of another big deal that you're thinking through and, or a situation that, that, that's going to compromise you. Whatever, whatever it is, I want you to stop and I want you to realize Jesus has been in this very same type of situation. And he overcame it. And he will give me the ability to overcome it as well. He will do that. Every time. I want to read that passage one more time from, from Hebrews, all right? And uh, I'm going to read it to you now in a different translation, the message. And just, just listen again. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, the great, this great high priest, with, here it is, key phrase, with ready access to God. That's why I chose this translation. Ready access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced, experienced it all, all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what is he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Take the mercy, accept the help. Whatever you run into now or in the future, Jesus has been there. He's already been there. And he came through it marvelously. And he wants you to as well. And he'll give you that ability, that strength as you ask him and you continue to ask him. I'm going to pray for us on this particular issue. I'm going to ask the band to come up and do a, and we're going to do a song afterwards. It's just 
perfectly, another one that goes perfectly with this. So let's pray. God, we, we are, um, we're in awe. I'm in awe of the fact that no matter what temptation, no matter what, what thing I have to deal with in life, you have too. But with a better attitude, usually, and with an ability to overcome it. I pray that we would each remember that it is because of you, Jesus, that we can have forgiveness and that we can have strength as we face some of the, as we stare down some of the temptations of the day and of the week. We thank you for that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.